The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. I am Professor Snipe, and this is the Potterhood Podcast with Nico Wright and Will Poznan. You're here to enjoy the subtle science and exact art of podcasting. As there's a little foolish wand waving here, many of you will hardly believe this is magic. However, for those select few who possess the predisposition, enjoy the show. <laughs> Check, 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 check. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Potterhood Podcast. I'm Nico White. I'm Will Posden. And we are the Potterhood Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we are the first episode into the quarantine. Will, buddy, how are you? I'm, I'm doing good. I'm starting to figure out how to exist in this quarantine thing. And you know what? I, I'm going to commit to knowing the number for every episode during the quarantine. I know that I lost track of the number in mm-hmm. previous episodes. Now I got it. We're at one of one and next one's two of two. Got you. We are one of one of the quarantine episodes. I'm glad that you're doing okay. On my side, I am doing all right as of right now. Okay. Yeah. I should have asked. I I was, you know, I was concerned like I do, you know, I want all my friends to be able to do well during this and it is like, you know, can do, like shout out to anybody out there. Shout out's kind of a lame way to say it. But you know, I just want to let anybody out there know that if they're having a hard time with this quarantine, like my heart goes out to them. It is hard for people, you know. Our hearts go out to them. 100% because when you think about it, there's so many people that people kind of forgot about. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, we're entertainers, but you think about all the people that are bartenders and the people that are barbacks, and that's how they make their living. And some of them might have been making a good living. And to then all of a sudden, not only just be put on pause, but then if you're in a city like New York, it's hard to even apply for unemployment. And God knows that the site is trash mm-hmm. and you then understand? you can't go to like a physical location because that's dangerous you know mm-hmm. and also then there's the people that like drove for uber and the comics we know that worked on work for TaskRabbit and that kind of stuff that all that is different all that is different and a lot of workload is less mm-hmm. so my heart goes out to those people that the people kind of for, that they kind of forgot about and I hope that if you're listening to this, that we can provide some sort of comfort for you in this time. We're as confused as you are. However, we're still just as hilarious and (laughs) there's still as much Harry Potter shit to talk. And as long as I have Wi-Fi, we'll get it to you. All right. And the one thing uh, I think about that in terms of the people that are being marginalized by this um, and especially the industries is I think that's the job of 
mayors and governors. Right now, if you're in a city, you do have a responsibility to look to your governor and your mayor and just evaluate the job they're doing. Because I think that's one of the most important things that we can do right now. There are places in this country where I think that the local leadership is doing an excellent job and places where they're doing a bad job. Like, you know, I yes. lived in New Orleans for six years and my that's my favorite city. And my heart breaks for people in the state of Louisiana because I think that... Uh, the governor is doing a terrible job and he doesn't particularly care about the people of the city of New Orleans. And if you live somewhere, evaluate your local government because now's, and that's, you know, that's fits right with Harry Potter because you look at how Harry felt differently about Fudge and Scrimgeour and uh, ultimately Kingsley. And, you know, right now we got to get our Kingsleys and our Hermione's in uh, positions of power. And we have to get our umbrages and our fudges and yeah, the you know, fudge out of there. Because when you think about it, you look at you look at New York where I am, right? And a lot of people will praise Andrew Cuomo, and I have two problems with what's happening in New York City right now. Is that though you want to be blunt, there's a sensitivity training that needs to happen because you see so many people that feel hopeless when they're getting good news. And I think that's a problem. Mm -hmm. Because when you have the morale down, it makes things dangerous because it inspires the wrong people. Yes. You I agree 100% with that. You look at Harry Potter when the Death Eaters were back and the morale was down. It was, it was like they were, picking, they were picking people off at that point. Yeah. Because you're, you're already defeated before you can even get to the fight. And the people that are then inspired are the criminals because the people that had any heart, you broke it. So now I'm going to do what I can to take from them. So I think the um, English that's being used here, even in positive situations, is a little harsh. And I think it should be sweetened a little bit. But, you know, I'm also a comedian. So that's my <laughs> first instinct. That's my first instinct anyway. So You're 100% right. You're 100% right that that is a big deal. I mean, even if you look at when Lee Jordan and Lupin were running the, uh, the radio program in the seventh book, they made an effort to try to keep the tone as optimistic as they could, yeah. despite everything. Despite everything. Because you need some type... You, you can't just have spice. You know what I'm saying? At some point, it's going to hurt when it comes out. You know what I mean? You need sugar, you need spice. But it just seems like every time you listen to the news, it's like, ouch, that burns. Ouch, that burns. Ouch, that burns. But fuck all that. Will, who we sorting? Okay, so we're going to sort um, one of my favorite actors from the Harry Potter series. And I know that uh, he's one of yours as well. And real quick, before you know what? I just had this idea. Uh, people listening should reach out to Luke Youngblood, who's the actor who plays Lee Jordan. Let's see if we can get him on a Zoom call. Yeah, why not? Yeah, we'll why do a not? little whatever it's, that radio program was called. I'm down. Oh, that would be amazing. That'd be great, right? Yeah, so we'll try to get him, but we're going to sort another actor because Rupert Grint is having a kid. Yeah, man. So as soon as you said it, I was like, nobody else deserves a blessing like that because it seems like every time you hear about rupert in the news like they're trying to be disparaging for some reason yeah you know so because i always hated that to hear some great news is 
really good. For me, I would sort him in Slytherin now. <laughs> I agree with you. I want to hear why. Well, he's very networky. You know what I mean? People kind of spoke, not badly about him, but as if he was the least successful of everybody. But mm-hmm. if you look at how he's shaped his, so- his social circle, it's a bunch of wins. So you know what I mean? Yes. It's like, it's like Ed Sheeran, who's his like exact lookalike. It's one of yeah. his best friends. That's not a mistake. That's good networking. That's a great point. I never thought about that. But like Rupert Grint could so easily have gotten negative PR because when the series started, it was like, okay, this girl who's playing Hermione is great. The boy playing Harry is adorable, but not a great actor. And then he became you know, this drunk, but a good actor in the third book. And then he kind of figured out the acting stuff later. Mm-hmm. Um, but with, but like Rupert Grint was kind of an afterthought. And then people were a little mad at him for even inserting himself. They were like, well, if there's going to be a third star from the series, it has to be Tom Feldon playing Draco Malfoy. That guy is really compelling. But Rupert right. Grint has staying power. People our age love him. And it's because he's a genuine seeming dude with a cool circle of friends. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, you're sorting him into where? I think you're right, man. Slytherin. He's just, he knows how to be at the right place at the right time, which is a very Slytherin. He's like Slughorn. Yes. And that's not a bad thing. Not at all. And we should stop. We should stop acting like it is. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, my wife forced me to watch an episode of that Tiger King documentary and mm-hmm. that Tiger King guy's a Gryffindor. He's a dumb fucking Gryffindor, and he might be a murderous <laughs> fucking Gryffindor. I'm not sure. Maybe murdered. Mm-hmm. I don't think so, but other people do. But mm-hmm. he's a Gryffindor, and he's, you know, a, just an idiot. Yeah, 100%. I, look, I didn't watch Tiger King. I saw a thumbnail for an episode, <laughs> <laughs> and as soon as I saw it, I was like, Nah, <laughs> I feel like it would hurt my intelligence. <laughs> and yeah, I don't that would definitely. That, so I wasn't trying to chance it. it. It was so. See, the thing is, it was like dumb reality TV for a lot of it. But then at the end of each episode, you would go, "Wait, was this just a commentary on the human condition?" And then it wraps up by being like, "And you guys cared so much the whole time about this Tiger King guy." you realize you never even give a fuck about tigers. Like apparently, tigers are doing terrible, and I had no idea. Right. So you're saying that they never cared about people, but they cared about tigers this much. Well, so the Tiger King people, they care about tigers a lot, but they end up just like fighting amongst themselves and never helping any tigers. And then we, the viewer, watch this Tiger King thing, but we don't care about tigers either because tigers are doing terrible and no one cares. Right. Okay. So my question to you would be, who would you liken this to in Harry Potter? Like, the people whole who read Rita Skeeter. It's like people who read Rita Skeeter. It's like, okay, so you're reading this, this hit piece about Dumbledore, but that doesn't even do anything. It's like people you meet in Brooklyn whose personality is hating Michael Jackson, and you're like, okay, I get your, what you're trying to do, but this isn't a productive – you're not helping anyone. Like, okay, you think you have the moral high ground, but you're mm-hmm. not doing anything good for anyone. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So that's what. So it's Rita Skeeter readers. So from what I gather 
of the um, Tiger King plot, I guess I would liken it more to people like Umbridge, who believe that they're so above other people, where it's like, no, you're just as bad. Even yes. though even though you're supposedly supporting the good and righteous side, you're still a very bad person who, if we took <laughs> away your stature, you would definitely be a death eater. You would be a criminal. The crux of the documentary is this war between uh, basically there's this guy who runs a tiger farm or tiger zoo in Florida or in Oklahoma. And then this millionaire heiress uh, animal rights activist tries to get him fined for an illegal thing he does. And then the question is maybe he hired a hitman to have her killed, but maybe it was just a con man who set him up. But then the other side of it is, this fucking millionaire animal rights activist definitely murdered her husband and no one cares. Right. right. So she's exactly like Umbridge. And this guy sounds a lot like Sirius Black. Yeah, he is a lot like Sirius or James, but he's like, yeah, he's like Sirius. You're right. He's 100% like Sirius because he's loud and dumb about it. He's like 15-year-old Sirius, but he's a 50-year-old man. Fair enough. So what are we jumping into next? Okay, so now that we have sorted Rupert Grint, uh, let's. Okay, so this is another heartwarming, nice thing. Uh, the uh, J.K. Rowling on her website, she opened up a a homeschool section of her website for kids at home right now. You know, who are bored and uh, they can go on Pottermore and they can take online classes right now. So, just wanted to. This is the correct way of using shout out i want to shout out jk rowling mm -hmm. and just talk so if you were if you were a kid would you be into this are you into this as an adult will you be spending time being voluntarily homeschooled i a hundred percent if i was a kid would applaud this and i would be very happy that it's happening and as an adult i am very happy that it's happening however i will not use it I, the article that i read Hey, muggle. <laughs> and I, 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 just, I just thought to myself personally, if, if I were a, um, you know, I'm African-American, and if the term that people use for me was then on a letter, like, hey, <laughs> you know, hey, and where was you? <laughs> I know you've always wanted to come in see us do that <laughs> well now here's your chance Dude. Oh, uh, there's something about that that's kind of mean but I, I understand the sentiment <laughs> but I, just I mean it's, I just a, it's just an oversight it's just because yeah. she doesn't she probably wrote that or somebody that works for her just wrote it real quick and was like get yeah. this out so that and, people know and I don't want anybody that hears this. I just want you to hear that and laugh and move on. Do not, do not taint J.K. Rowling's amazing intention with my little joke. Okay, hilarious. Just they, relax, they, giggle along with me, and go on about your day. All right, it's hard enough. She's just trying to spread a little light. That's all. Yeah, I think that. Uh, 
people need to stay off of Twitter right now. Twitter, like Twitter is terrible right now. Oh, hopefully, yeah. yeah. Instagram is the way to go. And so hopefully JK Rowling stays off of it too, because, uh, yeah, there's people that want to take everything the wrong way. Yeah. That's been a theme a little bit with the mm-hmm. quarantine is there's like this small group online who are just expressing their misery in weird ways. I think we'll talk about that more next podcast. I'm sure next mm-hmm. podcast will lend itself to that. A hundred percent. So we got a, but speaking of the unintentional racism in the form letter that they sent out, that goes perfectly into our next topic, which is racist ghosts at Hogwarts. Yes. I've, so, yeah, go for it. So Will had a thought and I just want you to explain. So I'm sorry that I cut you off. Please continue. That's, I was about to, this was a, what I was about to say, which is that one of the rough things about not seeing you guys for uh, the last two, three weeks is I've had this question for about a week and I've wanted to ask it, which is how, you know, Nico uh, has expressed that he is a Slytherin and mm-hmm. that means that he would be in the Slytherin house with the Bloody Baron who almost definitely gets racist. There's no world where Nico is at Hogwarts for seven years and the Bloody Baron never gets racist in front of him. <laughs> oh, 100%. The Bloody Baron is definitely racist, but I do not think he's the most racist ghost because the Bloody Baron seemed like he had a great sense of humor. So <laughs> for some reason, people with great senses of humor, even if they were racist, they kind of lived a little longer because they made it fun. So I don't know. It's like I, Kevin Brennan. <laughs> sh- no. Okay. <laughs> but I, I get your intention. Kind of like JK Rowling. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, um, they usually last a little longer because they make it fun. So I get that vibe from the bloody Baron, but, the most racist ghost, in my opinion, nearly headless Nick. Okay. Nearly headless Nick. Everything about his personality, everything about the way he looks, everything about how if you just shaved his mustache a little bit, he would definitely be Hitler. <laughs> everything about it just makes it seem so like... Well, if you shave a- anybody's mustache into a Hitler, they become Hitler. <laughs> But, I mean, just that actor, almost extremely so. Yes, sure. So, it's more the the visage that I got from the actor that played him in the movie. But he just looked the most racist, and he was nearly headless. And he kind of looked like and dressed like a slave owner. So, Mm -hmm. I could see one of his slaves taking a meat cleaver and almost cutting his whole head off. And the eternal irony is, he was racist and probably kept other people out of certain things because of their race and they only almost cut his head off because that would be enough to kill him and he can never join the, the, headless. the, ah. the, head, the headless hunt eternal irony hilarious man mm-hmm. it sounds like nearly headless nick he uh he lost the the battle he was the great white hope and he lost the war there you go all right, well, so, so I think nearly headless Nick. And if you think about it, nearly headless Nick admires and tries to emulate the bloody Baron. So it works on that level too. 
there you go. But see, Nelly Headless Nick wasn't funny. That's true. Yeah, that's why slaves were like, and you're not funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. I think I think Helena Ravenclaw was probably racist. I think like once you start getting into elitism based mm-hmm. on, you know, I mean, once you have a whole worldview rooted in elitism, mm-hmm. I think it's gonna, she probably was racist in like a very academic way. Mm-hmm. Like, she in her mind, she was like, uh, "Oh, because you you know what?" And that's what that's what's funny about the um, comparison that you just made is that classism is really the big umbrella that that racism is under. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Racism stands under classism. If you remove classism, you could wash away racism. A hundred percent. Oh, I love you that know. you said that. Yeah, that's one of the be- that's one of the better analogies that I've had. And if yeah. you think about it, like the all of the four ghosts represent different classes of society. The Bloody Baron, that's the ruling class. Nearly Headless Nick is more of like the soldier class. Fat Friar from Hufflepuff, he's the religious class, and Ravenclaw, it's the academic class. It's like colleges and those people. A hundred percent. And and you can tell. Look look at how judgmental they are towards each other. Yeah. And even in Hogwarts, no matter how um benevolent it might be, they teach them to isolate from one another, to almost and to almost judge because of status or house. Yeah. I they do teach them that shit. That's fucking stupid. <laughs> I don't see how it's any different than, like, you know, street gangs. Yeah, and they wear different colors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah, it's a great point. And you know what's interesting is that Professor Bins, the ghost that teaches history of magic, he doesn't fuck with any of them. Mm-hmm. Like, he never even made a play for Helena Ravenclaw. You would think that'd be his speed, but he's like an elementary school teacher, and she's like a college professor. Yeah, 100%. When you, Man, when you I'm with of, Peeves now. I think Peeves might be the least racist. He, he he might he might be. Oh, I got you actually. I got a really good candidate for least racist. Okay. Moaning Myrtle just because she's a fiend. Like on some level, you don't see race <laughs> when you're just that boy crazy. <laughs> he might be right. Like she's just trying to fuck, and she's been <laughs> trying to fuck since back in the first book when it was weird. What's our next? The weird thing is, we're doing this over Zoom, and my family's in the other room, and I'm just like, dude, help, moaning Myrtle. <laughs> hey man, we we gotta we gotta entertain these people somehow. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, people understand that I'm sacrificing my own dignity in front of my wife in order to entertain them on this podcast. Right. Please let's take anything we say too seriously. All right. What's the next thing? <laughs> okay. So do you have a least racist? We got most racist. We, I agree with you nearly headless Nick, even though I, uh, I could lean towards Ravenclaw. Least racist. Mm-hmm. I got the fat fryer and moaning Myrtle, but I could see the fat fryer being racist in a religious way. I um I didn't think about least racist because they all just dressed that way. 
You know what I mean? They all dressed yeah. like they all dressed like they were on the dollar bill at one point in time. Like they were all <laughs> candidates. So yeah, no. They all equally racist in my opinion, but Yeah. What so, happened to uh to us getting a dollar bill with a not racist person on it? When was that gonna happen? This is America, Will. What's the next <laughs> subject? <laughs> Uh, okay any question that you can answer with this is america you know that the person asking can get in trouble Mm -hmm. so let's move on to safer territory well let's talk about uh the territory harry wasn't allowed on when he was a third year he went anyway let's talk about hogsmeade and nico you uh made a really really good point before the podcast just likening that situation to yeah. our current situation. So let's talk about that. So just real quick, what made me mad when I thought about it, because Riley Lassen, shout out to her. She's a comedian. She reached out to me. She was like, hey, I just watched The Prisoner of Azkaban. She was like, isn't it weird they didn't let Harry go to Hogsmeade? And when I thought about it, I was like, you know what? That is weird because they all knew Harry's situation. Mm-hmm. Professor McGonagall, in the very first book, said herself that the Dursleys were terrible people. She didn't know why they were leaving him with them. If they didn't sign the permission slip, that just makes sense. Why can't Harry go? Yeah. I mean, the kind only of, reason is to make the government feel comfortable. But it's still kind of mean, don't you think? Oh, it's definitely me. I mean, who gives a fuck about the feelings of Cornelius Fudge? Like, oh, is it going to hurt his approval rating if Harry goes, you know, to into town on weekends with his friends? It's just very, when you think about it in our current terms, it's very frustrating. Because just, just, just think about that. He's the boy who lived. He's the reason why Voldemort isn't out here sniping kids as we speak. You couldn't yeah. assign him. You couldn't assign him a bodyguard. Yeah, Hagrid is right there. <laughs> I know serious. I know serious. Black was out, but I mean Hagrid Kingsley. Yeah. Oh, that'd be dope if Harry. But you know, Harry would have flipped it in his mind to make himself a victim if he was walking around Hogwarts with a Ministry bodyguard. Or yeah, he'd be like, uh, "Yeah, it's so embarrassing." You know, all these. <laughs> These kids, they always whisper when I walk by with Kingsley in his Matrix glasses. <laughs> the, the, no, Harry would complain about something completely different. Like, I can never be alone. They're all following me. They're just trying to make sure you don't get killed, bro. Yeah, but you also got to remember that whenever Harry thinks he's alone, Moaning Myrtle's right there. <laughs> uh, I The one thing that I didn't appreciate about the whole Hogsmeade thing was McGonagall mm. not understanding. You don't think she understood? Because as a kid, I agree, I'd, uh, agree that she didn't understand, but re-reading uh, the stuff later, I think that she was putting on a face because she knows the trouble that can come from going against authority, even when you're in the right. Yeah, see, I always had a problem with that because that means you'll do wrong just so you could seem right. But look at book seven. She, and even book five with Umbridge, like McGonagall is 
repressing her own value system in order to to continue to be at Hogwarts. I get that. I get that. But again, in order to do that, you have to look the other way and ignore a whole lot of bad. You I know? mean, Fred and Fred and George never get to graduate because that environment was so toxic. Yes, a hundred percent. Look, I'm not saying that McGonagall is wrong. I'm yeah. just saying you have to ignore a lot of things. For sure. Do you think McGonagall and, knew though that Harry had the invisibility cloak and was going to be able to just wiggle around this? Probably. Yeah. Probably. But who's to say? I think that when Dumbledore is not in his office, McGonagall mm-hmm. goes through his desks. Oh, and I think Dumbledore just tells her. I think he, he tells her, but in riddles, and he doesn't give her all the information. That, can, that makes sense, too. Like, she's like, what's going to happen to Harry? And Dumbledore's like, well, some say a prophecy exists, and then he leaves the room. <laughs> right. I feel like she had 95% information. Yeah, I agree. She had 95, probably Arthur Weasley has like 80%, Kingsley is 85. Like some people have more than others. I think Snape or McGonagall probably has the most. 100%. And I think it would be Snape then McGonagall, but this is what I'm saying. And this is actually something we can talk about. McGonagall isn't as righteous as we might think she is because... In order to stay at Hogwarts, she had to see a lot of things get done and just kind of turn the other cheek. I would push back and I would say that she's as righteous, but it's a more feminine righteousness, whereas somebody like Dumbledore exhibits a more masculine righteousness. Absolutely not. I I agree. Disagree 100%. Okay. That is, you want to know why? Yes. Because it doesn't even make sense. Like, it's not, it's not feminine or masculine for somebody to know if they do this wrong, they can blow their whole position. It's just like what snake. I'm saying is, it's like the difference between a mother and a father. Like maternal values mm-hmm. is like the most important thing in the world is to be around your kid, mm-hmm. no matter what. Mm-hmm. Whereas paternal values, it's a little bit more geared to the most important thing being fighting for what's right. It's a, right. just a slight difference. What I'm saying is, is that I'm thinking of McGonagall less as any of that, and I'm thinking of her as more as an agent for the side that she's playing on, which is the Order of the Phoenix, right? Got her, it. Her main position is lieutenant. As lieutenant, you have to stay at the station. You know what I mean? If you're not at the station, then everybody's in danger because nobody will be there. Right. And then there'll be nobody to lead the rest of the, you know, the force that's left behind. And when you look at what happened once Snape was taken out, what she took up the role of Dumbledore because Lieutenant is right behind the person in charge. She's the person in charge. If she goes anywhere, then there's nobody to take up arms. Got it. You know. So you gotta you gotta look at all of the all of the teachers and everybody that's playing that's in this game of chess. You gotta look at them as agents. So she's gonna play her position, which is lieutenant. And I think that's why she had to overlook a lot of other things being done. Oh. You know what I mean? So like 
perfect example. When you see somebody look look the other way when their niece or something gets in trouble, right? Yeah. McGonagall has to be that person. And it might not be something as simple as, oh, uh, you know, it was just a punch in the face. It might be something as harsh as, yo, the Carols just tortured one of the kids for 25 minutes. Yeah. That would be rough. I have to let that happen, though. What do you, that probably was about what the worst thing that happened under the Caro's watch was, was something like that. Oh, no, it was, it was probably a lot worse than that. You think McGonagall, so? You think it was worse than like Neville being tortured for 20 minutes? Bro, McGonagall had to lose friends while she was working and then know who did it and know that the people were right there. Do you think that a kid died at Hogwarts before the Battle of Hogwarts? If it's anything like the real world, 100%. Yeah, and it was just brushed under the rug. It was like, oh, he died of dehydration, but it was really a torturing accident. Okay, right. I got one last question in regards to McGonagall. And I think this is like the crux of how one views McGonagall. So do you think that McGonagall, in her mind, her most important job was Dumbledore's army or professor of transfigurations? Which one do you think, or not Dumbledore, Order of the Phoenix or Professor of Transfigurations? Like in her mind, what was her highest calling? Protect the kids. Okay. I think, I think her highest calling was headmistress where it's like, I have to protect this institution and protect the, uh, you know, and protect the students that are under the institution. I don't think the Order of the Phoenix mattered as much as the right side winning mattered. Got it. You know what I mean? But it's like if they were going to go out, they were going to go out anyway. And McGonagall seemed like she, her only job was to make sure the kids were good. Got it. I agree with you that. Know, that's what it, uh, at least that's what the books and the movie made it seem like. Or it could just be that um, Dame Maggie Smith is just that amazing. <laughs> no, I think that that is, because um, the books, is, it's consistent with that. So I think that that is the intention, is that, in her mind, headmistress is the most important thing. Whereas I wonder specifically with Arthur, what he thinks, if you rank his three responsibilities of his, you know, head of muggle uh, in relations, head of muggle relations, father mm -hmm. of all of those children, mm -hmm. and then also member of order, the Phoenix, and then mm -hmm. also husband, like his four responsibilities. Mm -hmm. How would you rank those? What his priority? His versus oh, his priorities for him. Yes. Mm. His his wife, his kids. Mm. Work. Then what was the other thing? Order the Phoenix. Then order the Phoenix. Okay, I think I would go his kids, his wife, mm -hmm. then then order the Phoenix, then work. You're probably more right on this than I am for once. <laughs> I think you got me on this one. Just because he has so many kids. If he only had one kid, it would be neck and neck, but he's got a lot of kids. Yeah, true. Yeah. And then yeah. with his job, I think maybe after the Battle of Hogwarts, maybe he gets a little more power. But at his current situation with his job, He's just got so little power that even though his ideology on muggle relations 
is better than most, even though it's like not as good as Harry's or Hermione's or any person from the muggle world, but mm-hmm. it's better than most. My question would be, do we have a, do we ever figure out what happened with um Arthur Weasley in the end as far as his job? He lives. Concerned? He lives because uh, J.K. Rowling was either going to kill him or Lupin. She's either going to kill him and Molly or Lupin and Tonks, and she decided to kill Lupin and Tonks. Yeah, the Weasleys have been through enough. Yeah. What yeah. I'm saying more what I'm saying more so is what happened with his position at the ministry? Did it go up? Did it go down? Did it expand? Well, you gotta imagine that he gets more power when Kingsley becomes the most powerful person in the wizarding world, right? Because that's one of his people. Oh, so it's never confirmed though? It's never confirmed, but it's like uh if Andre Thompson got mm-hmm. a sh- got like Kevin Hart's career and now he's making four movies a year. You would imagine that would help you, you know, like that Mm -hmm. would help you, Nico White. Right. But I feel like you would see the variety article about (laughs) it. You know what I'm saying? I kind of hate how JK Rowling did the Weasleys, man. Yeah. What would you want to happen? So you want Arthur to be like the legit vice president Something like that. No, I want Arthur to be rich. Ah, but I mean, he worked. They don't do jobs that you that command a lot of. Well, I guess some of them do. I mean, Charlie sells dragons. I imagine Charlie's rich. Bill's rich. Well, let Arthur be muggle rich. Let him find some gold or something. But that goes against his ideology. What? What's his ideology? Uh, just in terms of not taking advantage of muggles, like wouldn't it be taking advantage of muggles to transfigure a billion dollars into your own pocket? No, There's got to no, be laws no. against that. No, I'm saying he's muggle rich, meaning he doesn't have magical riches. He got good at, you know, muggle artifacts and like his sons opened up a store muggles bought him oh he made muggle he didn't have a magical house a big muggle house and let molly have a nice house they don't gotta be magical just a house that's so funny that's got to be illegal for some reason that's just it's got to be because you would think that uh what's magical wizard or witch could invent a thing that muggles would pay in you know tons of money for I don't know, man. Maybe not. Yeah. Look, well, look at look at the Weasleys. Fred and George. If somebody handed you a wizard photo that could talk and shit, mm-hmm. would you... And that was the only evidence you got of the existence of witches and wizards is just one photo. Mm-hmm. Would you believe in witches and wizards or would you just believe that they had a photo with crazy technology? If I showed you magic. But just a photo, just like a wizard photo or a portrait or something. Me as a kid, yes. Let, let's, let's keep on this real quick, though, man. Why okay. is it that J.K. Rowling never gives the Weasleys, like, one confirmed kill in life? You know what I mean? Like, why, why, can't, why can't Arthur Weasley just be confirmed rich? Not that his job has to require so much, but... Why can't he just strike some wizard gold? Why can't? 
Why I got something for you. I forgot about this and I remembered. And if I hadn't remembered, I'm sure one of, you know, one of our favorite fans would have reached out and letting us know. Yeah, shout her out. So, so Ron and, uh, Ron and the twin that survived, they get rich because uh, Weasley Wizarding Weezes is very successful. It's like the most successful shop on Diagon Alley. They get very, very rich. And then Ron is married to the uh, the Minister of Magic, so you would assume that he's fairly wealthy as well. That is all. Ron is miserable. Ron is that miserable, is, but he's rich. Ginny's rich too. She's like one of the most famous sports journalists in the Wizarding World. That is all very nice. <laughs> Why can't Arthur Weasley <laughs> and Molly Weasley get? And look, because they have no entrepreneurial skills. Now look here, look here. <laughs> they because they raised all of them. That's true. <laughs> now, look here. I'm sure that the Weasley parents are well taken care of, okay? That is not my gripe. <laughs> I'm saying that Arthur Weasley got attacked by a snake. <laughs> he should be able I'm to saying, I'm saying that Arthur Weasley lost his kid. I'm saying Arthur Weasley thought, and Molly Weasley. Definitely Molly Weasley because she thought she was going to lose everybody. Mm-hmm. They should have at least won the wizard lotto on their own. <laughs> so that their kids, so that their kids don't have to worry about them. And if they want to give them money, they only want to. They don't have to. That's true. Well, the it's important to remember that wizards live to 150 and sometimes older. So maybe they do get rich on their own eventually. I'm um, just saying, J.K. Rowling has come back and confirmed so much nonsense that nobody's asked for. You're right. <laughs> Meanwhile, you can't tell me. I don't <laughs> care who liked who. What I want to know is, did Arthur and Molly Weasley get to roll in some money? <laughs> That's all I want to <laughs> know. You're right. You know what? I, if she doesn't confirm that the Weasleys are rich, I'm canceling her. I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> We're out of the business. The <laughs> She needs to, you know, now's the time. Everybody's at home. Everybody's on Pottermore.com, you know, doing getting homeschooled by Professor Bins or whoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, confirm I, that the Weasleys are rich. Confirm that the Weasleys are rich. Who would it hurt? Now Who let's talk hurt? about uh, another thing that, uh, another choice J.K. Rowling made that is, it's, Ended up kind of foreshadowing our time. So uh, I had this thought that Harry Potter is the most famous quarantined character mm-hmm. in the history of characters and literature, movies, whatever. Like mm-hmm. he's basically in quarantine when he's living with the Dursleys. Yeah, he's confined. He's not allowed. Yeah, he's not allowed out the house for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. He's, you know. At on some at some various points throughout the series, it becomes extreme. Like uh, before the Battle of the Seven Potters, he's not allowed to leave because it's dangerous. Same as presumed right before the Wizarding, or he's before the Wizarding World Cup, he's not allowed out the house, or he's going to have that privilege revoked. But so each quarantine podcast, we're going to talk about a different time when he was quarantined, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Next week, we're going to, because we've already been going a long time. Next week, we're going to do a deep dive into 
the part of the first book. Mm-hmm. Right, you, do you remember when they start getting the letters from Hogwarts and then Vernon's like, we got to be on the run? Yeah. We'll talk about that next week because that has a lot of parallels to, especially when some of this COVID, COVID-19 stuff really started. And people started to head for the hills. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got you. Now, see, Will and Max, they want the podcast to be over. See, me, I, I don't feel that way. So I don't even know why you tease that for the next episode when uh, I have my snacks. <laughs> I have, want to do it now? I, here, let I me have, check in with my, uh, my other co-producer. Sheena, how are, how are you guys doing over there? <laughs> Is another 20 minutes good? <laughs> They gave a thumbs up. So, Max, leave that part in where I ask my wife permission to keep doing the podcast. <laughs> Tell her we say hello. They say, they say hello. Wonderful. Uh, so, okay, let's, let's do it now then. Let's oh, everybody, no. No, everybody no. can. No, no, we don't got to do it now. We'll leave that right where it is for the next episode. There's something else I wanted to bring to your attention. Okay. So, when you think about the Harry Potter world, right? And you think about everything that it supposedly stands for. Do you notice any one glaring contradiction? For me, the biggest contradiction in the series was always that the house elves wanted to be slaves. Really? (laughs) That bugged me so much. Mm -hmm. That just Dobby was the only house elf who didn't want to work for free. So now you're telling these people that they can't be their favorite. Like Hermione was kind of telling them that mm-hmm. they couldn't be their favorite thing because there was to be a slave. It was just kind of clunky to me. Uh, okay. So you're saying that the house elves, maybe, you know what it is? It's probably the juxtaposition of the only house elf you ever met was Dobby mm-hmm. and Creature. Now, when you think of the families that they were house elves for, it was the blacks and it was um, the Malfoys. Well, so Winky, Winky really wanted to be a slave. Well, th- but this is what I'm saying. Maybe they didn't see it as that. They might have just seen it as a job, as a service, right? Because you have people that these days, people call them maids, but they're home attendants. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? They take care of elderly people. And they do that with a smile on their face. And... This here, like, oh, that's just a maid, and they're like, "Hold on, wait, excuse me," you know. There's a yeah. uh, matter of fact, even um, right now, when you look at like the nursing homes, things like that, you'll see it on the news where they were t- asking the home attendants, like, "Well, you know, there's confirmed cases of the coronavirus in some of the patients here. Are you still coming to work?" And the ladies are like, "You know, the patients need us. Of course, we are." You know, and they go to work, risk their lives, you know, and some of them have died. Mm -hmm. So for that reason, if one is having a really bad time, it just goes to show you that that might not be the case for all. Right. And just because like they like their job might not make them a quote unquote slave. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just because you think that Dobby was a slave. It's like, oh, no, Dobby most certainly was a slave, but just because he's in house elf, that don't got nothing to do with me being a uh, elf oh. that works here. You know what I'm saying? Like, Got it. So my, my boss is not Voldemort. I'm not getting kicked around, and I would like my life back. Got it. So like the house elves at Hogwarts, 
they don't even want to have to think about money. They're like, I just want to work, have all my needs provided for. And then on the weekend, you know, they go fucking crazy. You know, the house elves party hard. As as they should, because they work seven days a week. Like, I don't understand how that's not a very easy thing to get. That's any worker. You know, the house elves just for years have been every weekend going down to the chamber of secrets secrets and getting drunk and like getting the basilisk drunk and dodging it. (laughs) As they should, as they should. They can go anywhere they want. And this is the thing. Again, it comes down to people understanding your position. And you got to understand, like, just the ignorance it takes to be like, that's like calling a comedian a clown and then getting (laughs) mad when we get mad. Hilarious. You know? Like, oh, you got, you're a clown. I was like, no, no. That over there is a clown. He wears a nose, okay? I'm a stand-up comedian. I stand on stage. I'm creating comedy. I speak jokes. Now, don't get punched. So It's like like a chef versus a cook. So all all I'm telling you, Mr. Posner, is that (laughs) you don't want to get punched. Yeah, I mean. That's true. Wait, so, oh, man. So I was way in the wrong. Okay, so I was wrong. The house elves are, uh, they are just like hippies, kind of. They just going to work. They just going to work. And this yeah, is the but thing. for no money. What if that's not their agreement? What if their agreement was, yo, we live here, we do our thing, and if that's what they want to do, that's what they want to do. Yeah, that's dope. I never and, thought about that. And if everything else is provided, I assume they like Hogwarts, right? Yeah. They probably appreciate being chefs, making good food, and people enjoying it, right? Okay. I'm going to flip it on you. I'm ready to be mad at the house elves for a new thing. Are you ready? Okay. So you know what house elves, you guys Mm want to just cook at Hogwarts and not participate in society. I think the house elves have a responsibility to society. They need to demand the right to vote Mm -hmm. and they need to take authorship of their own society. And if the house elves think that the only point of life is, cooking meatloaf i think that they need to expand their worldview and now i'm mad at them okay but look here's another thing just because you believe that's all they're into how they only have to make lunch (laughs) once a day they only have to make what how many times do they go to the um eating hall three three times now house elves can go all the way around the world with a snap their fingers i'm pretty sure Sure, it don't take them that long to make a steak. <laughs> now I now I don't know. I'm not there. I ain't never been to Hogwarts. You know, what I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna start up a class tonight though. Yeah. Well, but they called I, you a muggle one time, and you never forgave them. Well, I, I think I should have. I should have to. They should know yeah. better. But <laughs> my point being, when you think about it, if that's their speed, let that be their speed. But it's all dependent on how it became their speed. If they were beaten into it, well, then that's bad. But if they weren't, then let them live. Okay. And the, and the reason they probably don't make it a restaurant is probably because the other house, the other elves that don't want to work at Hogwarts might work other places. They might have their own restaurant. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, chef at, the chefs at Hogwarts are probably proud of being chefs at Hogwarts. And now you mean... You mean to tell me I don't I don't get to have my job and now I got to take your money? What would I do with your money? 
I can literally go around the world in a snap of my fingers. I only have to come here and cook three <laughs> times a day. Uh, that's a good point. Imagine how brutal it's, it is for a house elf when they're late to work and have to explain it to their manager. <laughs> do you, but wait, here's the thing, bro. Do you think a house elf is ever late to work? Do you not understand how probably routine that is and how they're smarter than we are? But they get drunk, though. I mean, I imagine they're late to work sometimes. I mean, Winky was getting pretty drunk when she took a turn. Did Winky, you said when Winky took a turn, so that means she had to take a turn. That means she was depressed because something happened. They're probably oh, always point. depressed, you know what I mean? Unless they listen to you talk about how bad their <laughs> lives are. Oh, you are, y'all are a bunch of hypocrites, dog. That's fair. I'm trying to carve out this niche as the anti, well, you know, we've established we're anti-Dumbledore. I'm trying to be anti-house elf now. That's the new fashion. Hey, dog, not for me. I, pr- I, prefer, I prefer not to be anti, especially not during the quarantine. You don't I, think? I'm going to like being people's favorite on this podcast. <laughs> I actually like that, too. I will love reading hate mail. It's like, I love Nico, but Will <laughs> hates house elves too much. <laughs> they probably do not see their position as sadly as we do. And I don't even think their position is sad. That's true. You know, uh, Creature should, he, he probably should have, uh, they really don't want credit, do they? Because Creature is like a war hero, and he just kind of keeps it to himself. Because Creature don't like y'all. It's a good point. And look, look, at how, look at how you're judging the happy elves. <laughs> God forbid people like you are at Creature's ceremony. I could imagine how he'd feel over here and you pity him. That's true. Oh, man, I suck. Yeah, you do. Uh, Well, I never had such an illuminating conversation about house elves. I really... Stop calling them house elves. uh, Yeah, elves, you're right. God fucking damn it. Dobby is the only house elf that you've met. Well, Winky and Creature are both in houses. Well, again, those are three house elves. Who are their families? Wait, hey, now you're calling them that. (laughs) But no, because that's what what they were. Okay. the, the elves that work at Hogwarts, how you know they were house elves? That's just, true. So, what, it, what but it just, is kind of rude to call them by the room that they're in. Like, even if you were like, they're kitchen elves, that feels gross too. They should all I just be elves. I, I just said call them elves, but you insist on calling them <laughs> house elves. Yeah. When, when you only met three house elves. Yeah, the them. worst is that, did you know at Hogwarts, the, uh, the gym teacher was an elf and uh, apparently that was that was pretty. So there was two gym teachers. They were both elves. And uh, yeah, never mind. I don't want to make this joke anymore. I knew where this joke was going and I don't want to make it. No, 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 no. I don't want you to make it either. But now that I'm here to hold, hold you accountable for it, what I'm <laughs> saying is, again, so they were already in the Hogwarts, in the Hogwarts system. And think about it. Being a house elf to the regular elves was probably looked down upon anyway. That's true. Because it's like, yo, you're a slave. Yeah. And you're making, now you're making these pure blood stick that we're all going to do that for them? Like, nah, I'll drop the chandelier on Bellatrix way before. Way <laughs> but remember there was like, it wasn't consensual. Like with Dobby, it clearly wasn't consensual. Who's to say? I don't know. 
No, remember Dobby would have to punish himself whenever he disobeyed the Malfoys. Yeah, that's Dobby, though. Yeah. And we're talking about the Malfoys. That's true. That's trash people, a trash family. Being trash to somebody that they think is trash. What that have, What does that have to do with the regular elf? <coughs> that's a great going, point. That's going to work. Every you, day. You, sir, are smarter than that. You're 100% right. I mean, th- I not that I'm smarter you. than that, just that I was wrong about house elves. Yes, 100%. Elves, elves. I was wrong about elves. God, fuck. I'm really, now I'm trying. I'm like focusing and I still, elves. Uh-huh. There you go. Now we're going to move on. Um, so one of, the, one of the things that I was um, really going over in my head in this whole quarantine as far as Harry Potter is concerned is that there might be a couple of deaths that didn't happen that should have. Who's some, who are some people that should have definitely died, in your opinion? Uh, in terms of having more good guys die in order for the war to seem like more of a sacrifice or more evil people should have died because they sucked? Hold on. I want you to take a pause for two seconds, and I want you to re-say that sentence, Will. Cut out. <laughs> okay. So are you saying that when you say more deaths, do you mean mm-hmm. that more good characters should have died to make the war seem more realistic or more bad characters should have died because they deserve to die because they were bad? No, I'm saying in your opinion, who were some more characters who should have died in general just to make the story better for you? Okay. Um... You want me to go first? Yeah, go first. I need to I need to think. Okay, so if it were up to me, some characters that definitely would have died. Professor McGonagall would have died right in the beginning of the war at Hogwarts. She'd have been the first teacher to go down. Mm-hmm. Professor McGonagall would have died. Hermione would have died. Yeah. Just so that Harry wouldn't know what no, that's no. like to lose somebody from his inner circle. No, no. I'm going exp- to explain the whole thing. Okay. And Aberforth would have died. So here's why I picked, the- here's why I picked these people, right? The reason that I want McGonagall to go and the reason why I want her to go first is because after that moment that her and Harry finally have, is I feel like her and Harry's relationship in the whole book was kind of ambiguous, right? Like she was the caring kind of like motherly figure, but she was also that really, really almost overly stern teacher in times where it would have made more sense to be sensitive, right? So I could think, for me as a kid, a teacher like that would have been weird to know my position with, right? Mm-hmm. Then, in the last book, to get confirmation that you and this teacher were on the best of terms, then to understand the plight of what's really on your shoulders in order to protect Harry from being killed, 
she then gets killed and had one of those moments where it's like, whatever you do, you can't die or something like that, right? She gets taken out. Then Harry Harry finds out that he has to die, right? This is great. Then Aberforth dies. Now, here's why I need that to happen. Because Aberforth tells Harry, and Harry finds out the story of Aberforth and um, Albus, right? And it might make him feel a certain way about Dumbledore. Now, after McGonagall died and told him that he shouldn't die, to find out that Dumbledore never told him that he has to die. Now, how do you feel? Then on your way, Hermione dies. Like, when would you have Hermione die? On the way to... You remember when when they all went to go see Snape? Got it. That would be... That would be epic and just oh, devastating that would be devastating exactly devastating because then everything else still happens we still lose george or fred or whoever died we lose mm-hmm. this, we, <laughs> we lose one of the twins yeah and then from there the story kind of goes into free fall because it's like now what happens to ron now what happens to harry does harry still go through with this could you still go through with this yeah, that's what if Dumbledore, what if Aberforth, even when they meet up, when he meets Dumbledore in the afterlife, never forgives him? Yeah, that would be that's it, like uh, that's just more adult. You basically took the ending of Harry Potter and you flipped it from PG to PG 13, you made it for grown ups. I mean, that is the grown up conundrum. is do you still fight in the battle of Hogwarts knowing that it might end with a loss or with a victory that it feels hollow in some capacity? Hey, Hey dog, you get to live, but you get to live alone. I had a, when I had three people also who I, I think, uh, should have died and in my version it's similar it makes the story more adult and the first one i think very similar with hermione i have ron as somebody who i would have died because you get the double you get the double legacy of it being devastating for harry in the moment but also you know that trope in fantasy fiction of the female character who loses the heroic male character and then oh like has to reckon with that. Yeah. So you have Hermione doing that, but you know, Hermione would have remembered just the best of Ron, which would have been really beautiful, sentimental, and also bittersweet. That would have made, that would have made Hermione though, that, cause usually that trope, and this is why I had Hermione die in my version. And I, I kind of felt bad when I, as soon as I thought of the question, cause I noticed I had two very, very prominent women dying, but mm-hmm. here's the reason why. The reason why I had Hermione dying in this um, in this case is because Harry and Ron, neither of them are smart enough to survive without her, right? And mm-hmm. now it either grows them up or they die. You understand? You either yes. have to be, you now have to be able to fend for yourself because of everything that you learned from watching Hermione or you die and you disappoint her and yourself. 
right? Also, I wouldn't want to see Hermione have to fight back that pain after already losing so much. You would rather see Hermione lose Ron and then Harry tell her, yeah, I'm going to go die now? I mean, I don't want to see that, but I also think... I'd rather not watch Hermione suffer like that. Yeah, I... I guess in my mind, I'm really thinking about it in the movie context because I probably would have different answers for the book. And I think that Emma Watson reacting to Ron's death is a little bit more compelling than Rupert Grint at reacting to Hermione's death. Oh, but that's a abs- close call. absolutely not. Did, uh, bro, did, just think about when the Horcrux was reacting, right? And Ron got to see all those images and they all got to act like the opposite of themselves. Harry played an evil version of himself, kind of trash. Emma Watson played evil Hermione, but evil Hermione was like, bleh. Yeah. Sure. But when Rupert went crazy, when he played crazy and he played anti-Harry, it made sense. It was primal. It was ridiculous. It was like, yo, he's belligerent. And that's the kind of release you would want in a moment like that. That's a you great want, point. You would, when you're watching that movie, you don't want that. And this is from any side of the fence. If Hermione's energy was different and it was more robust as far as like, I'm going to blow up everything now, that would be one thing. But she does, she's too calculated for all of that. You know what I'm saying? She's still, and she knows too well that if she breaks down, the whole operation breaks down. That's yeah, so. You know I, I mean? think you're making great points. Well, the, only, has, the, the other reason she has that to I be went way with, too aware. What do you say? Sorry about that. It's all good. I said she has to be way too aware, and she never gets an opportunity to break down. Now, if it was one of those things where they had to, then they could go home afterwards, and then we could see what happened. Then I would agree with you. Okay. But because they don't get the time to reflect, Hermione's character living while Ron dying would be great in reflection. But in the moment of what could happen and then what that could do to the story going forward, because after something like that, Ron could be like, yo, I'm done. And Hermione could be, but to see Ron go, I'm done, would kind of tragically make sense. To see Hermione go, I'm done, would just be tragic. That's great. That's a great point. Ah, that's such a great point. Because then you lose the worst wizarding mind ever, which is like tragic, but it's just like, ridiculous tragic as opposed to like you took away the greatest wizarding mind ever yeah you're right you're right well the only other thing is that the other two characters i have dying in my mind are also they're female characters so that's why Mm -hmm. if i were to that's i mean i guess i would lean towards ron for that reason but if i don't know i like the idea of aberforth i mean that would be that would be a devastating one, and that would add an interesting wrinkle. Another character I had that I think would add an interesting wrinkle is I had a Narcissa Malfoy. Oh. Because okay. I think that her dying to save Draco's life would be really, would really highlight her value system and really help Draco understand how she feels about him. How do you see it playing out if that happens? I think that Voldemort's he probably turns to Lucius. There's some scenario where he has to legitimately kill one of his followers in order to get some superpower. And he turns to Lucius and he's like, uh, choose somebody from your family to sacrifice. And then Lucius is like, uh, 
waits for a second and then mouth and then Voldemort chooses Draco and then Narcissa volunteers herself. Okay. Now, okay, here's the here's the one flaw how you did it, right? So now yeah. do that, what does that do to Draco in that moment? And what does that do with Lucius? Because I can't imagine that either of them would just let that happen. Or do you think that uh, Lucius is such a coward that he would just let it happen? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I don't think that Lucius would let it happen. So maybe it has to happen in a slightly different context. But I could also see Voldemort like knocking Lucius out with with just like a paralyzing charm or something and Mm -hmm. doing it despite Lucius. See, I I can um I can see it happening, right? Just a little bit later though, right? Like they're going to leave, like they were, yeah. Like they did in the movie. Instead of them just getting out scot free, though, Voldemort catches them. Like Voldemort saw them running away with Draco. Got it. Oh, that's great. And he didn't have time to like stay there and do it. But he came and just smited, like, at them, and Narcissa died. And then maybe he didn't, um, like, Avada Kedavra, but you know how they were flying around in the movie, something like that? Yeah. And he saw them trying to leave, and he shot one of those fireballs or something like that, and it blows up, and the rubble injures them, and then they find them later. Narcissa doesn't survive. Draco and... um. Lucius does, and now they have to then reconcile whatever relationship they have because of what really ends up being um, Lucius's uh, loyalties backfiring against them. Yes, I, I really like that version, and it actually lends itself to my third person. Um, mm-hmm. So, and I think you're gonna love this one. So, anytime this is a thing that I believe, and I think you'll agree with it. Anytime. Somebody snitches just to get out of trouble. It mm-hmm. always backfires on them. Yes. And that is why the third character I have dying is Marietta, Marietta Edgecombe, who was Cho Chang's friend who snitched on Dumbledore's army. Oh. And I have her dying in the Battle of Hogwarts as an innocent bystander. Just a, Is she an innocent bystander because she's a coward? Yeah, well, she's just not participating because she doesn't have an ideology. Her whole ideology is just protect Marietta. So I think she should die in the Battle of Hogwarts. There you go. There you go. So now, in this next segment, and again, y'all, I know we're going long, but I think that we should. I know the will's on mute, so I'm going to just keep talking for right now. So having said that, in the next little segment, we're going to get deep. Like overly deep. I ain't gonna. I ain't gonna tell you how deep yet, cause that would um, you know, spoil it. But you just stay tuned. All right, y'all keep your heads up. I just had to shut the door in case people could hear. I think my my daughter really did not like me saying that Marietta Edgecombe should die. Maybe I should say that it would make sense in my mind if she did die. It would make sense if she did not show up for the movie after the movie that yes. she seen. It. Yes, I understand. <laughs> I understand. See, there's always a way to clean it up. Your daughter was right. <laughs> um, one of the things I want to go into in our next um, round of discussion is when, again, when we think about the Harry Potter world, 
we like to see the good side of it. What what what's some of the what's some of the bad of the Harry Potter world? Like what's some of the negative that came with all of the good that we got to see? Well, they don't talk about mental health at all. That's for sure. But it's not even just the mental health, man, because it's it's something as simple as look at what we just said about Hermione wanting to go and take away the house elves' jobs. Or not the house elves, I'm sorry. The elves' elves positions, right? Because she only saw elves in that certain light. And that in and of itself is kind of racist. You know what I mean? So I just want to jump into like imagining what that was like and how the kids navigated that world if they navigated that world. So, Will, for the next episode, something that Movie Flame talked about was um, why the Half-Blood Prince is the best book, right? Yeah. So tomorrow, if you want to meet tomorrow, maybe the day after that, but let's try to meet again this week. I want to just jump into that and what we think our favorite books are and like really get into why because we actually had the time to do so. Definitely. Okay, right. let's, yeah, let's meet tomorrow. Tomorrow's good. We can do like a 10-minute call at some let's, point. Let's do that. And for right now, let's sort our last person and be done with this episode. Okay, well, we're sorting Dr. Fauci. I'm putting that, I'm putting that goofball into <laughs> um, Slytherin. Yeah? Yeah. I'm going to go, okay, and, so and, why Slytherin? And, and I think Dr. Fauci is a good person. I think he's level-headed. I think he's doing as good of a job as he can. I'm just really, 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 really annoyed with how the whole coronavirus thing was handled at every level. And, you know, he's one of the people that, I wish I wish everybody would have taken him a lot more seriously because then we could we'd be getting over this now instead of going into it now. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I know for me a lot of stuff got pushed back, so I really really don't like this. Um, so anybody involved with that is immediately going to slivering for me, and I just hope that everybody that's dealing with this is holding up. That's all. Uh, I I would agree with uh, all of that. I was looking up real quick what house Rufus Scrimgeour was in, because I think that there's parallels there when you talk about a system falling apart around somebody and right. one person trying to prop it up with their expertise. Mm-hmm. For me, he's a Ravenclaw because I think that he his priority is the information. Yes. And sometimes that gets in the way of everything. Of everything, exactly. But you know, his priority is the information. And you know what? I'll even I'll agree with you. At this time, you are more right than me. I changed my vote. Dr. Fauci, Ravenclaw, unanimous. So this was episode one of the quarantine. Episode one of the quarantine. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Nico White. I'm Will Posnan. This is the Pilot Podcast. Will, where can they find you? They can find me on Instagram. Hit me up on Instagram. That's all I'm doing is I'm either in the apartment with my kid or walking around the hallways of the building with the stroller. So hit me up on Instagram at Will Poznan. And uh, yeah, let me know if there's anything that you want me and Nico to talk about on the podcast or just any notes you have. I'm very curious right now if we're going to be able to hit 
um, our closing in synchronicity. That's but Nico, tell them where they can find you. I got you. Uh, you can find me on Venmo at so <laughs> at N E K O hyphen W H I T E nine three. I don't know how it's gonna get out here, so you can find me on Venmo until further notice. And let me know how much you actually like the Potterhood podcast. For real, if you <laughs> look, if you send twenty dollars, we'll talk about your topic, even if it's like a Lord of the Rings thing. I don't care what you want to talk about. I'll talk about your topic. On the next episode, the episode after that, y'all let us know. You find Nico me on- White ninety three on Venmo. It's Nico N E K O hyphen W H I T E nine three on Venmo. Um, but guys, above everything else, please stay safe. If you listen to the Podhood podcast, if you don't, I pray for y'all. I pray for y'all families. Pray for ours. Mm-hmm. And will on three, one, two, three. Mr. Managed. managed.